Again, we'll worship our God in the reading and now the preaching of his word. And you can see in your bulletin that we're turning now to John chapter 18. The bulletin says, John 18 verses 33 to 40, for the sake of our reading now, I think I'll make a running start and back up to verse 28. So listen now to the word of God, John 18, beginning at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside of the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man. But Barabbas, now Barabbas, was a robber. And that brings us to the end of chapter 18, the end of our passage today. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray for your grace now. For we have heard your word read. And would lean in now to the preaching of it, we ask that you would deal graciously with us. That you would open our eyes to behold the wonders here. Even our wondrous Savior, Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name. Amen. Sometimes when... Somebody's facing a dramatic moment of 
personal challenge, maybe even personal crisis. It's a moment that's going to require them to rise up and meet that challenge. It's a moment when they're going to have to draw upon all that they are and have in order to meet that challenge. But they're confident. They have a sense of purpose. They have a sense of mission so that they don't shrink back from it. Sometimes in a moment like that, what that person will say, maybe just to themselves or maybe out loud so that others can hear it too, what they'll say is, I was born for this. I was born for this. Maybe it's a career-defining presentation at work. Maybe it's late-game heroics to lead your team from the prospect of near-certain defeat. Maybe it's a moment when you've got to rescue somebody from a crisis that they're facing. I was born for this. It's a way of saying, maybe out loud, what that person knows to be true or what they need to be reminded is true in that moment, which is that, yes, this is their purpose now. And they're they're ready for it. They're equipped for it so that they're not going to shrink back from it. I was born for this. Now, sometimes when we say that, it's somewhat exaggerated, maybe even a little silly, Like, parallel park my minivan into that little spot over there. I was born for this. Watch, kids, and we crack our knuckles at the steering wheel. And then it turns out we weren't born for this. I was born for this. But once upon a time, a long time ago, Jesus said it. And when Jesus said it, There was nothing exaggerated or silly about it. It's a moment when he had been betrayed and abandoned by the people who were supposed to be closest to him. It's a moment when he finds himself in the hands of a fearful and vicious government. It's a moment when... It's now dawned on him fully what's in store for him the next day. And it goes way beyond what any earthly government can do to him. And it's a moment when a representative of that government is interrogating him. And trying to get the truth out of him. And it's in that moment that Jesus said it. I was born for this. And we're about to take a look at what his this was, what the purpose of his birth was. It's actually a dramatic moment, even as you're reading it, for Jesus in that moment to say, for this purpose I was born. Does that not make you shift to the edge of your seat and lean in and wait for him to finish that thought? The incarnate son saying, let me tell you why I was born. 
And it's good for us to stop and think about that, especially at this time of year. Obviously, this is a time of year when you sometimes hear it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. And there's a lot of truth in that. But of course, that only provokes the follow-up question, which is, what's the reason for Jesus? He may be the reason for the season, but what's the reason for him? What was the purpose of his birth? What was Jesus born for? So here we are in John 18. Jesus is being interrogated by Pilate. Pilate doesn't appear to have been all that eager to get involved. From his vantage point, this just looked like a Jewish matter, not a Roman one. Not a matter in which he, as a Roman governor, had any real interest. The Jewish leaders had brought Jesus to him. Pilate tries to hand him back. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But this back and forth goes on. Eventually, he realizes that in some way he's got to be involved. So what did we just hear? Verse 33, Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? It's so fascinating and powerful to me, all of the moments in which Jesus answers questions with questions of his own. Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? They're going back and forth with these questions. It almost doesn't feel like Q&A. It's just Q and Q. Jesus answered, Now here's an answer. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. So, yeah, now Jesus is clearly claiming to be some kind of king, and Pilate picks up on that. You bet he did. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, which probably meant something like, yes, you're right to say that. You're right to have picked up on that. So it's Jesus' way of affirming what Pilate has said. And then comes the purpose statement. Because after all of this back and forth about Jesus being a king, what comes next has the effect of clarifying what kind of king he is. Jesus says, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And then he says, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So here they've been having this back and forth about Jesus being a king. But now it pivots to Jesus being a prophet. I have come, I was born to bear witness to the truth. Well, Pilate's not interested in Jesus as a prophet. And apparently at this point he's not particularly threatened by Jesus being a king. Which is why Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside of the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. 
And the story goes on from there. So there's the purpose statement. And what a statement. Not only do you have the purpose to bear witness to the truth, but the way Jesus puts it. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. He's not just saying, this is what I've been up to these days. Or, this has been my mission lately for the past few years. He's saying, this purpose was behind my very coming into the world in the first place. That is not an ordinary claim. Well, this isn't an ordinary person who's making it. So here we are at this time of year. We're thinking about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, born of Mary, born into the world. But why? Why did he come Why was he born? So today we're going to focus on the way Jesus answers that question. To bear witness to the truth. And I want to point out four things about it. And we'll touch on these briefly. First, that his bearing witness to the truth is a gospel ministry. It is a gospel ministry. Second, it is ongoing. It's ongoing. Third, it's fruitful, which is good news. It's fruitful. And fourth, and this is reality too, it's divisive. It divides. So it's gospel. It's ongoing. It's fruitful. And it's divisive. And before we look at each of those four, just to clarify this, when Jesus says to Pilate, for this purpose I was born, to bear witness to the truth, he's certainly not saying that this is the only thing that can be said about my birth, about the purpose of it, about why I came. Jesus had a lot to say, even in John's gospel, about why he'd come. The New Testament as a whole gives us lots of reasons for the coming of the Son of God into the world. This wasn't the only purpose, but it was a purpose to bear witness to the truth. And not only that, but it was a purpose of his being born that Jesus was willing to spotlight. This is the one that he mentions in what must have been one of the most dramatic moments in the whole of his earthly life and experience, this interrogation by Pilate. In that moment, of all the things that he might have said about why he was born, this is the one to bear witness to the truth. So first, we can underline, this is a gospel, this is a good news ministry the way Jesus bears witness to the truth. So that there's a a focus here when we think about the truth that Jesus bears witness to. When he says to bear witness to the truth, he doesn't mean any and all truth, truth on every subject known to man. Comb the words of Jesus in the Bible for the truth about, say, global warming, and you will comb in vain. He doesn't mean any and all truth like that. What he does mean is these these fundamental truths about God and man. And you can tell that from the gospel records as you flip these pages. 
And listen in on the things that he said. He bore witness to the truth about God. And he spoke about the truth of sin. And he bore witness to the truth about himself. And he testified to the reality of his own saving work. And he bore witness to the truth about faith in his name. So the point is, he came to bear witness to the truth, not in some generic sense. As if he'd come for no other reason than to remind people of the ninth commandment. Don't bear false witness. Tell the truth. Let there be truth on earth. Now he came to tell the world certain truths, some old and some new, the truth about God and his holiness and about man and his sinfulness and about himself in his saving work. He came to bear witness to gospel truth. And that first point, what does that mean for us today? Well, I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, stand amazed today at that very thought that it's gospel truth that Jesus bears witness to. It's good news truth. I mean, think about it. The human race had risen up in rebellion against God, and God sends his son from heaven to earth Born of a woman, born of, a Mary, born of Mary, born in Bethlehem on a mission. And he could have come, I mean in terms of strict justice. He could have come to bear witness to the holiness and justice of God. The sinfulness and the guiltiness of man. The certainty and the dreadfulness of coming judgment and nothing more. And I think the microphone has cut out, but that's okay. I can make them here in the back row. In terms of strict justice, the Son of God could have come into the world to bear witness to those truths and nothing more. Holiness, guilt, judgment, period. But that's not what he did. That wasn't the Father's purpose That wasn't the son's mission. Yes, he did bear witness to those truths, but he didn't stop with those truths. He also bore witness to the truth of the grace of God. The love of God for sinners whom he was determined to save. And then having borne witness to it, he went and died for those sinners. Stand amazed. His ministry of bearing witness to the truth was and still is a good news ministry. So that's the first. Here's the second. We can underline this as well. It's also an ongoing ministry. When Jesus says to Pilate, for this purpose I was born, to bear witness to the truth, no doubt he's referring to his earthly ministry. Right? Going around from town to town, preaching and teaching. But the question is, was he only referring to that? Can we imagine that the Son of God would be born, that he would come into the world for the purpose of bearing witness to the truth, and then, with his death, just stop? Can we imagine that the truth-testifying ministry of the Son of God would be nothing more than like a bolt of lightning 
temporarily filling the world with light, illumining the darkness only then to vanish, to leave the world just as dark as it was before he got here. No way. He came to bear witness to the truth, not just for a time, not just for the relatively brief time period of his earthly ministry, but for all time. And so it's ongoing. Jesus has taken his word, he's taken the Bible and as it were, placed it into the hands of the church. And he has established the church in the world to proclaim that word. And in that way, his witness to the truth goes on. Jesus Christ is bearing witness to the truth right now in this meeting for worship, in this room, in this sermon. His death wasn't the end. It was only the beginning. He will not be silenced. He was born for this, and he ever lives for this at the Father's right hand. And and that second point, that, that this is an ongoing ministry, what should that mean to you? Well, it means that you can have this in mind, you ought to have this in mind, say, when you're reading your Bible privately. Or when you're hearing a sermon the way you are right now. You're not just reading words on a page. You're not just hearing the words of a preacher. You're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listening to his voice. As he bears witness to the truth to you. That is his ongoing ministry in your life. Jesus is saying to you. Day after day, whenever you encounter this word, Jesus is saying to you day after day, Sunday after Sunday, remember what's true. And you can count on him that his witness is true. So it's good news, that was first. It's ongoing, that was second. And now here's a third. Thankfully, it's fruitful. Remember what Jesus said after his purpose statement. He said, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, sadly, there is some irony in that. Here in John 18. Because right after he says that, Pilate says, what is truth? And walks away. Clearly, Pilate was not of the truth. But happily, there's there's real comfort in that. Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What that means is that his ministry bearing witness to the truth is not a lost cause. There are some who are of the truth. That's not an empty set. That's not some hypothetical category. Sometimes bearing witness to the truth can feel like an awfully lonely vocation. And maybe you know that yourself. Maybe you even had some personal experience with that in some conversation, in some circumstance, at work, in the neighborhood, in the family. Bearing witness to the truth. 
trying to get people to see the way things really are, and you feel like you might as well be talking to the fence post. You feel like there's nobody who's with you, who's listening to you as you're doing your best to bear witness. And to a degree, that was Jesus' own experience. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But even then, even then there were some who were of the truth. And because they were, they listened to his voice and they loved the sound of what they heard. And then after his death, resurrection, ascension, there were more who were of the truth. And ever since, throughout the years, throughout the ages, there have been more and more. So that today, on earth and in heaven above, there's a vast company of those who are of the truth. And we, in this room, as we worship God, we are numbered among them. Because he was gracious enough to give us ears to hear. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And what should that mean for us? How should that touch down? Well, we ought to be grateful. Brothers and sisters, can we not be grateful today for what the grace of God has done in our lives, for how God by his grace has changed us so that we are not what we were? We're not what we would have been. We are of the truth. And there's nothing prideful or arrogant about making that claim. It's like with our opening hymn. We are the faithful ones. Oh, come all ye faithful. But then as we testified in prayer right after we sang it, We gave glory to God for his grace, making us to be the faithful ones. But precisely because his grace has done that, we're not going to shrink back from that now. We're not going to deny what his grace has done. No, he's made us to be the faithful, which is why we heed the summons, O come, O come, all ye faithful. Well, it's the same thing here. It's just a slight variation on the hymn. Now we can say, O come, all ye truthful. Because the same grace has done that too. O come, all ye truthful. Because that same grace has worked in us so that we have ears to hear. So that we now listen to the voice of Jesus. And we love the sound of what we hear. So may we be grateful for that grace. For this purpose I was born, to bear witness to the truth. It's a gospel ministry. It's an ongoing ministry. It's a fruitful ministry. And then this fourth one is the last one. And we have to acknowledge this today. Because it's reflected in our passage, which is that it is a divisive ministry. It is a ministry that divides. There are many who are of the truth, but there are more who are not. And that comes out in our passage today. 
Pilate, at least, was not of the truth. And as you keep reading the story, and as you read what happened and what was done, you realize that many were not of the truth and didn't have ears to hear. Jesus' ministry of bearing witness to the truth, the purpose of his birth, has the effect of dividing those who believe the truth from those who do not. Sometimes you hear it said about a a public figure, usually a politician, that he's a polarizing figure. So clearly represents something controversial, practically embodies it, maybe some position, some cause, some event, that it said, either you love him or you hate him. Polarizing, because folks are driven to the poles. And the right or left. Well, Jesus is history's preeminent polarizing figure. He was born, he came into the world for the purpose of bearing witness to the truth, and he did so when he was here, and he's still doing so from heaven, and he is the truth, and either you believe that truth or you reject it. There is no middle ground. Either you love him or you hate him. Even if that hatred is of the polite, thanks but no thanks variety. And make no mistake, that is a rejection of the one who is the truth. Jesus divides. A bunch of chapters earlier in John, when Jesus is in Jerusalem, we're told there was a division among the people over him. That's John chapter 7, verse 43. There was a division among the people. And it's been that way ever since. If we flip over to Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, we find another one of these statements where Jesus says, this is why I have come into the world. Matthew 10, listen to this one. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Matthew 10. And this one, too, this is dripping with irony, especially at this time of year. The expression, peace on earth, it's practically a global December mantra. People like to say, well, isn't that what the incarnation was all about? Peace on earth. Isn't that what the angel said? Peace on earth. And yes, it's true. The incarnation was about peace on earth. In the sense that the incarnate Son of God, in the end, will have brought about a new earth where peace dwells. But not in the sense that the effect of the Incarnation would be to unify everybody on earth in this age. Far from it. Jesus himself said, that's not why I came. That's not why I was born. 
Again, the irony here at the end of December, people like to say Jesus is the reason for the season, and it's precisely during this season that so many Christians go home for the holidays only to find that there's warfare in their extended families. There's division, and oftentimes it's division along the fault line that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. The truth that he bore witness to and bears witness to still. Jesus is the reason for the division. Of course he is. He was born for this. He came into the world for this. Not in the sense that he came into the world principally to divide, as if that were the main thing, to split people apart, but in the sense that the mission that he did come to fulfill was going to have that effect, and it did, and it has. He came to bear witness to the truth, the truth that among sinners would have the effect of dividing them even among families. So this one, what does this mean for us today? I know that's a hard word, but look, we're just acknowledging here what we all know to be true and what some of us experience painfully during the holidays. Jesus' ministry of bearing witness to the truth divides. Well then, brothers and sisters, don't be surprised by the fact that the world is divided over Jesus. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be thrown or undone by that. Of course it is. He came to bear witness to the truth, including truths about God and sin and salvation. And apart from renovating grace at work in the heart, that's not what people want to hear. So don't be surprised. Don't give up. Hold on to him. Hold on to him who spoke the truth, who is the truth. We who are of the truth, so may we ever be. And by the grace of God, we will be. He was born for this. Well, we have been reborn for this. And whatever the division may be that we witness, that we experience, that we experience personally and painfully, nothing, no one can take that away. We have been reborn for this truth. So in a little while, in a few minutes, this service will be over. And we'll go our separate ways and we'll enjoy the day. We'll keep the day, this holy Sabbath day. Let's seize it as an opportunity to remember that Jesus was born for this. He was born for this. To bear witness to the truth. And by his grace, he's made us to be those who listen. And we have listened today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we bow before you and stand in awe that you should be born among us as you were to bear witness to the truth. Thank you for the truth that we've heard. Grant it to take deep root in our souls, and we pray this for your glory among us. Amen.